The following message entitled, Who Needs the Church Anyway? Part 2 of the series, Church Works, was given by Mark Altrogi on November 17, 2013 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. My name's Mark. I'm one of the pastors here also, and if you can come to the guest reception today, I will get to meet you. So I'm, I'm going to be back there, so please, if this is your first Sunday or if you've not had a chance to come to the guest reception, it would be great if you can come, just meet some folks in the church and have some light refreshments with us. This morning we are continuing our series called Church Works. Last week I spoke on the topic of whose church is it anyway. Today's message is called Church Works. Who needs the church anyway? Who needs the church anyway? And you are probably going to think I'm a little bit of strange when I tell you this first thing. But... Because I'm 63 and I'm, I, I'm an old guy now, I can do things like this. I was in a uh, local coffee shop recently, and I told the barista, I guess that's how you say it, I said, you realize you aren't just a guy serving coffee, right? And he kind of looks at me with unusual look, but he, he knows me, so he was uh, waiting to see what I would say. And I said, you, you know, you're not just a, just a guy in a, in, a, in a coffee shop serving coffee. I said, you are making it possible for coffee farmers in South America and Africa to make a living. And all the people who transport coffee, like the shipping companies and dock workers and truck drivers who have to drive the beans up here. I said, you're, you're a part of that. And not only that, you're providing a nice place for people to come and read and relax and meet with people and have conversations. And you're providing a place where local artists can hang their work and other people can come and get things to beautify their homes. And I said, because you are willing to work here, there's a place where local musicians can come and play and I can bring my wife on a date. And I said, so you're not just a coffee barista. You're, you're really adding to a lot of people's enjoyment of life. You're adding to my enjoyment of life. And, and I'm benefiting, and, and lots of people in the world are benefiting by what you do. And he looked at me like I was a little bit strange. And, and uh, he went on with his day making his coffee, only now knowing that he was not just a barista, not just. He's, he's adding to the, to the enjoyment of many people in the world. And, and uh, I like to think that I encouraged him a little bit. He probably just went home and told his buddies, you got to meet this nut that I met today. <laughs> but I, I share that with you because I've been thinking a lot lately about how much better our lives are because we live in community in the world and because we are dependent on other people. 
Think how much we benefit from the talent and work of others. We have doctors and hospitals and electricity and heat and water for our homes and our lives are enriched by music and books and movies and football games and coffee. And we can, we can go to a restaurant and enjoy other people's cooking skills. We can benefit in so many ways. Students going to IUP, you benefit from the knowledge and the expertise and the experience of your profs. Interns at the hospital benefit from the expertise of their mentors. And in, in the providence of God, He uses the gifts and labor of others to enrich and bless our lives. And I'm not just talking about Christians. I'm talking about God uses everyone's gifts in the world to benefit everyone else and bless us. And we as Christians can appreciate this and turn this into praise to God and just enjoyment in so many ways that Many people can't who don't know that God is ultimately behind all these blessings. And as much as we benefit from society, we benefit so much more as believers from our dependence on one another in the church. And not only do we enjoy many benefits, but it's absolutely critical to our lives as Christians to be involved in the church. So who needs the church anyway? We do. We need it a lot. And we benefit a lot from it. Believers need the church. We need the church for edification, sanctification, and proclamation. I'll explain that in a minute, but let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for all of the pleasures and joys and benefits that we receive through others. Lord, it's ultimately from You and You bless us through others and especially You bless us through others in the church. And Lord, I I pray that You'd give us a deeper appreciation for this this morning and, uh, and give us a deeper commitment to Your church, Your body, Your bride, that will bring You glory, Lord. It's, as we sang this morning, it's not about me. It's all about You. And all this is for You, for Your glory and honor, Lord. So we pray that this message, please, affect our lives. Give us more passion for Your church and Your glory, Lord. And we ask this in Your name, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Amen. So we need the church for edification, sanctification, and proclamation. Believers need the church for edification. And that means building up. If, if the, when the Bible says do all things to edify others, it means build them up. Build one another up. We are built up through the church. And so in Romans 12, 4 and 5, we read, For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so Paul 
Paul compares the church to the human body. And he says that we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And this, this is our unity and our interdependence. We aren't a bunch of individuals just coming to a church like we're attending a Lions Club meeting or something like that. We are members one of another. We need each other. We're dependent on each other. We can't survive by ourselves. My hand needs the rest of my body to survive. My stomach needs my hands to get food into it. I suppose if I didn't, I could just bend over and eat. But my my stomach can't get food on its own. It needs the rest of my body. My stomach needs my hands and feet to get into the car and drive to the store and get something to eat. My hands need my stomach and my intestines to digest the food to supply my hands with nutrition. My eyes can see the food, but my eyes can't get it into my mouth without help from the rest of the body. So, Paul says it's like that in the church. And then Paul says, not only are we dependent on each other, but he's given us all different gifts which we should use to build others. So, this same passage in Romans 12 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Our gifts are not for ourselves. They are gifts of God's grace. They are gifts of God's generosity. And we are to use them, Paul says, let us use them. But notice how every one of these gifts is for others. For example, the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is sharing an impression from God with others. It's not equal to the prophecy of the Old Testament where God's Every single word was inspired. But God still gives prophecy today. We prophesy in part. And that is sharing an impression from God with others to build them up. But God doesn't give people the gift of prophecy for themselves. Can you imagine if I had the gift of prophecy and I said to myself, Mark, I have a prophetic word for you today. Mark, you shall go forth to conquer because I say to you, you are good enough, you are smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. Thus says the Lord, Mark. (laughs) That's not prophecy. God doesn't give us a gift of prophecy for themselves. People aren't given the gift of service to serve themselves. Can you imagine if I told my wife, Christy, if I said, Christy, I have the gift of service and I'm going to begin using it right now to serve myself. <laughs> people, people aren't given the gift of teaching to teach themselves. Imagine me saying, Mark, I want to teach you something today. Wait a minute. I already know that. <laughs> but we're to use our gifts. Paul says, we're to use them. And he, he, he says, more or less, use your gifts with gusto. 
Use your gifts with zeal and enthusiasm to serve others. And so he says, the one who has the gift of giving or contributing, use that in generosity. If you have the gift of leading, lead with zeal. If you have the gift of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Go all out. Serving the Lord. Using your gifts. You may say, I I don't know what my gift is. What do I do then? Just start serving wherever you can. That's all you need to do. God will make it clear to you. God will show you what your gift is. Just serve wherever you can find a place to serve. Take the lowest job you can find. And God will eventually make your gift clear to you. We need each other. We need to be built up by others. In 1 Corinthians 14.26, Paul says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. 1 Corinthians 14.12 So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And so we've encouraged you in this many times. When, when, when you go to a meeting of the church, when you go to a care group meeting, when you're getting together with other believers, don't think, what am I getting out of this? Don't think, I, you know what, I don't get much out of care group. I hope you will get stuff out of care group. I hope you will be built up. I hope God will bless you in care group. But that's not the way to think when you're going to care group or you're going to your campus meeting of Resolved or when you're, when you're going to the transform meeting with parents and teens. Don't be thinking, what am I getting out of this? Think, how can I build others up? Pray on the way. Say, Jesus, would you please use me tonight to build others up? Please help me to look to the interests of others. Please give me some encouraging words or let me pray for someone or let me, let me help someone or build someone up. That's what we need each other for. We need to be edified and built up by each other. And another aspect of being built up is believers need the church for preaching. Second Timothy 4, 1-4 I charge you, Paul is talking to Timothy, a pastor, and he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. First of all, look at how serious Paul gives this charge to Timothy. This This shows us how serious preaching is. Paul says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. I charge you, Timothy, 
in the presence of God, with God Himself right here, with God looking over my shoulder. Timothy, this is really God charging you to preach. And I charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. This is how important this is. Jesus, who is going to judge all men, wants you to preach. And by His appearing in His kingdom, Timothy, I am charging you. Could it get any more serious? The charge to preach. Preach the Word. This is what He charges Timothy to do. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, when Paul says preach the Word again, who's that to? The church. He's not saying, Timothy, preach to yourself. It's to the gathered church. It's to believers. We all need to hear the Word of God preached to us. I need preaching. I need to hear the Word preached. Which is why I'm glad at times that that we all take turns as pastors and I get to hear the Word preached as well. Why? Why do we need preaching? Because Paul says in verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. Preaching protects against false doctrine. The the opposite of sound teaching is unsound teaching. Teaching. The opposite of listening to the truth is wandering off into myths. And so preaching the truth, sound teaching, prevents us from wandering off into myths. There are lots of people doing that nowadays. When Paul says a time is going to come when people will accumulate teachers for themselves, they'll have itching ears, and they'll wander off into myths. That, that time is, has come. Just turn on the television. You'll see Oprah Winfrey. Turn on health and wealth preachers. You'll see people accumulating for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It's happening. A few months ago, I had a call from an old friend, a man that I've known for many years, who told me, He had decided to come out as gay and he was getting a divorce from his wife. And he said, I'm good with Jesus though. I'm attending a church that preaches that God created me to be a homosexual and homosexuality is not a sin. I'm good with God. God is blessing me. Paul says, people will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It's happening. I know there are times we don't feel like coming to church. Wouldn't it be just as good to stay home and read your Bible? Do you really need the church? Who needs the church anyway? We do. I do. We need preaching. We need sound teaching to keep us from wandering off into myths. I 
heard about a man recently who said he doesn't feel like he really needs the church. He can just read his Bible on his own, go to an occasional Bible study with some other men. Well, that's good to go to a Bible study with other guys, but you're not going to hear preaching. Preaching is vital. Preach the Word. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God. How important is this? We also need to worship together with other believers. And so Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and that could include preaching. But then look at this. Here is another way that the Word of Christ dwells in us richly. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Preaching and teaching is one way that we keep the Word of Christ or the Gospel dwelling in us richly. So as we hear preaching, as we hear teaching, the Word of Christ dwells in us. But the Word of Christ also dwells in us richly as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And Paul is is talking to the Colossian church. So he's not really talking about on your own during the day, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That is good. And then we should do that. That's a great way to have the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. But I believe that because Paul is addressing the church in the book of Colossians, he's saying, church, church, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another and as you sing together. We need to Worship together. We need to sing together. Our time of singing on Sunday mornings is not just a warm-up time for the preaching. It's not just kind of come in and kind of start to feel good and now I'm feeling a little happier. Now now I think I'm ready for a message. No, it is a vitally important time every Sunday morning. The Word of Christ is dwelling in us as we sing these lyrics to these songs. And we we want you to know, as I was telling the new members class yesterday, we take these songs very seriously. There there have been times that we have not done a song that was just a great song overall because of one line that wasn't sound doctrine. We really try to scrutinize our songs and be careful that every single thing we sing is the Word of Christ so that it will dwell in us richly. That's how the Gospel dwells in us. Dwells in us. Another edification that we need is the example of other believers to imitate. See, if you stay home, you're not going to have this one. And I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's wrong to ever miss a Sunday. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm saying. Believers need the example of other believers to imitate. Philippians 4.9 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, how could they have seen things in Paul 
if they weren't hanging out with Him, if they weren't spending time with Him. We need to be with other believers. So many times, many of you have inspired me by your lives. By your example. Many times, many of you have, have, have encouraged me, exhorted me with your words, but many of you also have inspired me by your lives and example. We need that. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders. We should be the prime examples here, but remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7-9, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Paul says, For we were not idle when we were with you. And so he, he was willing to work. And he says, We didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So we need other believers around us to imitate. Young believers need older Christians to imitate. Younger wives need older Christian ladies to imitate. Young men need older Christian men to imitate. We need each other. And Paul, I just remembered this, Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in purity and speech and life and so forth. So older believers need the zeal and the example and the purity of younger believers to imitate. We all need each other. Okay, let's move on. Believers need the church for sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the process by which we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to put off sin and put on godliness and become more like Christ. It's the process that God uses where His Spirit working in us moves us, yet we also cooperate with the Spirit, obey the Spirit, respond to the Spirit, and put sin to death, and put on godly deeds and become more and more and more increasingly like Christ until He returns. See, the Gospel says that when we turn to Jesus, He justifies us. He declares us by His shed blood. I declare you to be not guilty of any sins. I declare you to be righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ imputed to you, credited to you. But then, though God sees us as righteous, and there is no condemnation anymore, we begin to live out this life where now we become increasingly like Christ. And we need the church for that. You know, in some ways, it would be so much easier not to be involved in a church, wouldn't it? In some ways, wouldn't it be easier not to have to deal with conflicts with other believers? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so much easier not to have to deal with others' sins or the challenges of being with others? 
sometimes you could think, boy, it'd just be easier to be by myself. I could, I could be much more godly by myself if I didn't have to work with Joe Ryer. Just kidding. Joe is a great guy to work with. But it'd be so much easier in some ways, we think, wouldn't it? Less hassle, less conflicts. I don't have to go to anybody and ask their forgiveness. I don't have to try to forgive someone who sins against me. In the 5th century, there were a number of monks who believed that mortifying their bodies would help ensure their salvation, so they climbed up on pillars out in the desert and essentially isolated themselves from society. These were the original guys. They were going off the grid. (laughs) And um, these saints were called stylites because the Greek word for pillar was stylus. So the first stylite, they, they believe, was probably a man called Simon Stylites the elder, and he climbed on a pillar in Syria in the year 423, and he stayed there, this is unbelievable, he stayed on top of this pillar for 37 years until his death. How could he do that? How could he live that long without television? (laughs) How did he do that without the internet? 37 years. 37 years on top of a pillar. You'd think, yeah, on top of a pillar wouldn't have to deal with immature Christians or the temptation to anger because there's nobody to get angry at. Unless you get angry when somebody forgets to bring your food. There'd There'd be no one to have to be patient with. We could grow in Christ to some degree by ourselves, but we won't grow and mature nearly as much as we will as we have to live out our lives with other believers. Here's why. Much of the fruit of the Spirit is produced as a result of working through the messiness of our relationships. (laughs) <laughs> she say, step on me? There once was a man who would say, step on me, Mark, as I was preaching. Let me say that again. Much of the fruit of the Spirit is produced as a result of working through the messiness of our relationships. See, we're called in Scripture to bear with the failings and weaknesses of others. If you don't get involved in the church, you don't have to bear with other people's weaknesses. But you won't grow as much as if you have to bear with. If you you have to deal with weak and immature believers or believers who sin against you, that will cause you to grow in patience and forbearance and loving and forgiving, and persevering. See, the only way to grow in patience is to be put in a situation where you need patience. The only way to grow in forbearance is if there's somebody you have to forbear with. Now, God in His wisdom knew that Christy, my wife, would really need to grow in all these areas, so she put me with her. 
See, we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, so much of the fruit of the Spirit, if you look at it, it relates to others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, the fruit of the Spirit comes as we relate to other people and live with other people and are required to grow in patience. Relating to others helps us grow in forgiveness. We will grow in our gifts as we need to serve others. Relationships with others require us to grow in humility because there's going to be other people who are better than us at things. Relating to others will give us opportunities to overcome our natural selfishness, put anger to death, become more teachable, all kinds of other things. And God uses the messiness of our relationships to make us more and more like Jesus. There's so much more in Scripture about why we need each other. Just for example, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another. <clears throat> how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. This doesn't mean you can't miss meetings occasionally. Of course we're going to miss meetings at times. We go on vacation. We go out of town. There's times we can't make care group, whatever. But this is a, a neglecting of meeting together. If you neglect to meet together with other believers, it will have a detrimental effect on your soul you will miss out on the encouragement that God intends you to have from others. This is eternal stuff we're talking about. This isn't isn't just how to be successful at your job. This is your souls we're talking about. Your soul needs encouragement. We... I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the last point. There's so much more I could say about that. But we need, believers need the church for proclamation. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, we need the church because we need to love one another. That is hard to do. We need the Spirit of God to help us love one another because we are to love one another, Jesus said, in a new way, a new commandment. You're to love one another just as I have loved you, which means you are to love one another sacrificially. You're to love one another in a way that's going to cost you. You're to love one another in a way that means laying down your life for others. It's, it's a costly love. And when you love one another as Jesus loved us sacrificially, He says, by this, By this kind of love, when people see it, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, what a powerful witness to the world when we love one another 
Because Jesus Christ is transforming our lives. It's a powerful witness when all of us, who as individuals have many different strengths, many different weaknesses, many different interests and ideas, when we can gather around Jesus and love each other, put others first, care about others, look to their interests, work through differences, forgive one another, bear with one another's weaknesses, helping the weak, humbling ourselves in love for others. Boy, when we do that, Jesus said it's a powerful witness. He says, by this all people will know you're My disciples. If you have love for one another. He doesn't say, all people will know you're My disciples if you wear Jesus' t-shirts. Or a cross around your neck. Or whatever. He says, all people will know you're My disciples if we have this sacrificial love for one another. It is, we need the church. Who needs the church anyway? We all need the church. As a way of proclaiming who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Why do we love one another the way we do? Because Jesus has transformed us. Jesus has put His Spirit into us. He has given us a new heart. And we can love one another now. We can forgive one another. We can work through conflicts. We can lay down our lives for one another because Jesus Christ has changed us. This, this kind of love is only possible by the power of Jesus. And that's why it is a proclamation of Jesus. You might not always have the opportunity to share the gospel with a fellow student or a co-worker, but you can always invite them to church and they'll hear the Word of Christ sung as it dwells richly among us. They may hear, they may hear exhortations or encouragements or a prophetic word from the ministry mic. They may meet someone who is just very encouraging to them and very kind to them. And hopefully they will see us loving one another. And they'll say, how can such a diverse group of people love each other the way they do? God must be real. They'll hear the Word as we sing it. Hopefully they'll hear the Word preached. And they'll see the love of the church. So, who needs the church anyway? I do. You do. We need it for building ourselves up, building others up. We need it for sanctification. We need others as we become more and more like Jesus Christ. We need the church for the witness to the world. Lord Jesus, give us Your love for Your church. Let's pray. Let's stand and let's pray. Jesus,
Lord Jesus, thank You for this church. I, I thank You that this is not being delivered as any kind of reproof, Jesus. Thank You so much that this church is already doing these things. Lord, we just pray that You would help us to do them more. Jesus, help us to love Your church more and more. Help us to Help us, Jesus, to want to build others up. Help us, Lord, to just grow in our love for one another so that the world will see that we are Your disciples and that You are real, Jesus. Lord, thank You that You have promised that You will build Your church. And so... We thank You, Lord, that even though we hear these things and we want to obey Your Word, it's primarily You who will do it, Lord. And we just acknowledge we need Your help, Jesus. We are weak. We cannot do these things in our own strength. And so help us, Lord. For Your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.